0: And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Remember, as you're making your travel plans, to check johnnydollarair.com first. johnnydollarair.com is a Priceline affiliate, so you get all the benefits of going through Priceline.com. Plus, part of your purchase price goes to support the great detectives of old-time radio at no additional cost to you. Uh, Be sure and check out JohnnyDollarAir.com. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date, August the 9th, 1959, and the title is The Lost by Hair Matter."
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Dollar, this is Fred Starkey. Starkey? Worldwide Mutual out here in Columbus, Ohio.
2: Oh, sure, Fred. How are you?
1: Look here, Dollar, if you're free for a couple of days, I'd like to have you come on out here. Oh, what's it all about? This is George Hemingway Tilford. Ever hear of her?
2: Tilford? No, I don't think so.
1: Pretty wealthy, especially since a fire a few months ago. It destroyed a big lumber yard that her husband left to her. And, And, Dollar, she wants to see you right away.
2: Did she tell you why? No, she's
1: being very mysterious about
2: it. Hmm, something to do with that Lumberyard fire, I suppose.
1: Well, she simply wouldn't say, but she insists on having you come out to
2: see her. Well, as long as your company won't quibble over the expense account. Yes, I guess we're stuck for it. Plus, my usual fee, of course. Well, now, that
1: depends on what you mean by
2: usual. Let's talk about it when I get there. to the Worldwide Mutual Insurance Company, Columbus, Ohio, office. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the loss by a hair matter. Mm-hmm. Expense account item 1, 4175, plane fare from Hartford to New York to Columbus, Ohio. It was after 2 a.m. when the big silver bird dropped me off at Port Columbus Airport. Item 2, 250 for a taxi into the Deschler Hilton. There was no time to rouse Fred Starkey out of bed, so item 3, 1420 for a nightcap a comfortable room there in the hotel and the kind of brunch late the next morning. So late, as a matter of fact, that I had to wait for Starkey to come back from his lunch before I could see him at the office of Worldwide Mutual. See him and ask him questions. Sorry, darling, but she just won't say. Yeah, well, now look, Fred, I'd I like to know something about a case I've come this far to handle. I'm not even sure there's a case here. Well, you told me that she owned a big lumber yard that had burned down some months ago. Exactly nine weeks ago. All right, how much insurance? Dollar it was a total loss.
1: It cost the company 330000 Wow! Wait. Fortunately, it was underinsured. Underinsured? Now, these days, the ground alone out there is worth that much. Out where? It's near Minerva Park. Hmm. Arson by any chance? No. No sign of it whatsoever.
2: She, uh, possibly need
1: the money? Hardly. Her husband left her over a quarter of a million in securities when he died a couple of years ago. No.
2: Nothing suspicious at all, huh?
1: Except that suspicious mind of yours. Now, listen, Johnny. I didn't say her wanting to see you has anything to do with that fire. That was your idea. Maybe she just wants to look at you. A great admirer of yours, I understand. Oh, sure. Well, do you always expect to find arson, fraud, or murder, some sort of crime whenever somebody calls on you?
2: No, not always. That's the way it usually turns out. But don't you see if this had
1: something to do with her insurance, she would have said as much.
2: But if it hasn't, why did she ask for me? Well, I told you. You told me what? I don't know. I I
1: don't know why she wants to see you, but I'm willing to bet that it has nothing to do with that fire.
2: 500 bucks?
1: 500 bucks. (laughs) Print,
2: how do I get there? (laughs) Item four, a 50-buck deposit on a rental car, and I drove north on Cleveland Avenue, that's Route 3, to the pleasant little town of Minerva Park. The Tilford home, while not a mansion, was a large stone and stucco affair with plenty of trees and well-kept lawns. All in all, a real nice place in good condition.
3: Yes. Oh!
2: The surprise was the widow Tilford. In her middle 60s, I guess, but with a sparkle in her eye that made you feel she ought to be 25 years younger. She was dressed in well-tailored sport clothes. Her hair was gray, but cut in a short bob. And her subtle use of makeup made her look like a million.
1: Johnny
3: Dollar.
2: Mrs. Stilford? That's
3: right. And Johnny, I'm such a fan of yours and that radio program that I hear every Sunday on WBNS that, well, I'll break down and confess that about a year ago I wrote and asked for your picture. Ah. And you wrote me the nicest letter when you sent it. Oh, of
2: course. Grace Tilford.
3: That's right. And when you started off the letter with dear Grace, what oh, made me feel almost young again? I
2: know something. I think you are pretty young, Mrs. Tilford.
1: Oh,
3: one look at you, Johnny, and I wish I was. But with this old heart of mine hitting on only about one cylinder... Come in, come in. Yeah,
2: sure.
3: And now this. We're going to bypass the living room and sneak into the library. Sneak in? Yes. So that we can talk alone for a little while. You see, your three suspects are there in the living room. Is it?
2: Just, uh, what do you mean by suspects?
3: Right in here, Johnny, and they won't disturb us.
2: Okay. Now,
3: sit down and be comfortable. Now, Johnny, I suppose you're curious about why I sent for you.
2: Yeah, well, according to Fred Starkey, it's all a big mystery. Oh,
3: mystery's right. Was right. But, Johnny, I've solved it. Uh Oh? Yes. The mystery of why my lumberyard burned down a few weeks ago.
2: You mean it was set?
3: That's exactly what I mean. I had no proof in the beginning, no reason to think it was set, but I have now.
2: By whom, Mrs. Tilford?
3: Oh, I wish you'd call me Grace, Johnny, just to flatter me a bit.
2: (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) But who set the fire? All right, you said three suspects out there in the living room. That's right. Would you like to go in
3: and meet them and then pick out the one it is? (laughs) You
2: say that one of those three people sitting out there in the living room set that lumberyard fire.
3: Yes, Johnny and I collected $330,000 on it after all. The police and firemen had found nothing to indicate arson.
2: Oh, believe me, it's hard to spot in a fire like that. Then I
3: got to thinking about those three, about how each of them could profit by it.
2: Possible that all three could have had a hand in it?
3: When you get together on anything. Trust each other. always. never, never.
2: Okay,
0: then.
3: Then a couple of days ago, I learned something. Proof that one of
2: them did it. Which one?
3: Well, if I know you, you're clever enough to find out.
2: <laughs> but if you already know. And suppose the one who did it knows that you know.
3: Oh, not a chance. Oh, at least I don't think there is. And at least none of them has made any move against
2: but me. But if one of them. You'd better tell me which one.
3: Well, now, John. Did you ever tell who's the guilty one on your radio program right at the beginning?
2: Oh, now, let's face it. This is a little bit different if you're holding out just for the sake of a big dramatic climax.
3: Oh, yes, and
2: no. Oh, come on. Now, listen, Miss Telford. Grace. All right, Grace. But now, please, listen to me. You
3: listen, Johnny. I said I have proof, but I have to be absolutely sure. And there's where you can not only help me, but you'll know exactly how to proceed, how to take him in or her. Without danger to the rest
2: of us. Listen, will you? If the guilty one knows that you know, you might be in pretty serious danger.
3: Even with you around? Yes,
2: even with me around.
3: Well, I'm simply not going to tell you until you've met them and drawn your own conclusions.
1: Okay, then let's get at it.
3: All right. The middle-aged man is Harry W. Shelder, my husband's business manager before he passed on. He's not only very clever, but his sole interest in life is in money. I see. He did very well for my husband, but I've always felt he was really looking out for himself.
2: But why set off the lumber yard?
3: Because replaced by homes and stores and supermarkets that could be worth millions, he said. Ah, and
2: you refused to do that?
3: Yes. The lumber company had been in our family for generations. Gave me all the money I could want, so I wouldn't change it.
2: What if it just happened to burn to the ground?
3: Exactly. All of my objections would be wiped out. Then uh-huh.
2: if he's the now one. Wait,
3: wait, wait, Johnny. Then there's Michael, Michael Tilson.
2: Oh, well, the younger man I noticed in there.
3: Our adopted son. After college, business college, he tried to make his way, but not very successfully. Uh-huh. Actually, he's been living on our bounty the past few years.
2: A near do Grace? Oh,
3: well, he's not very good at anything. His ideas for that property aren't so ambitious as Harry Shoulders, but he's wanted me to sell it out to one of the development companies. And why? Because my husband's will provided that in the event of my death, he'd get half and come from it. I see. Mm-hmm. So he was bitterly opposed to my keeping it as a lumberyard.
2: A motive for one, motive for two. And who's the third, the girl I saw there?
3: Nancy Willard, my niece. Ever since her parents died of... Uh... Quite penniless, by the way. We've taken care of her. Uh-huh. It's simply out of pity, Johnny, not love. And, although I may change it now, she's heir to the bulk of my fate. Yeah.
2: Well, offhand, I'd say that Michael is the least suspect of the three. Let's go talk to them.
3: Then I'll leave you alone with them. I want to clean up before dinner and wash my hair. It's a mess. Looks straight to me. What? Like this?
2: Okay, okay. You gals have to have something to fuss about, I suppose. Now, let's go and see those folks. Under the circumstances, there was nothing I could do but play along with her little game, her dramatic little mystery matter. But not for too long. On the excuse she had to go up and wash her hair, she left me with them there in the living room. And what a trio. As I've told you half a dozen times now, Dollar, Mrs. Tilford hasn't long to live. According to her doctor, not more than five or six years at the most. Don't you see what I mean? Maybe, Mr. Shelter. Go on. As long as she's alive and lets me handle things, she can make millions with that property.
4: And you? Well,
2: of course, I get a percentage of the capital gains I achieve for
4: And us. I say those fancy plans of yours are too much of a gamble, uh, Harry. Just wait, I Michael. say play it safe. Let somebody else take the risk. That's all. Then all we have to do is... I mean, all Mother has to do is sit by and share in the profit. A small share instead of all the profits. With you running things, I'd want a pretty good accounting, Harry. You think you could handle a project like I have in mind? One like I have in mind. Nothing to it. I wouldn't trust your judgment or you as a matter of fact.
5: Oh, now stop it, kids. What kind of people will Johnny Dollar think we are? Sorry, Johnny.
2: Oh, I find this all very interesting, Nancy. Don't you see, Dollar? Listen to me. No,
5: you listen, Michael. Every time we get together this way, it's the same old thing. I've said it before and I say it again. Let Auntie Grace handle things her own way.
2: Of course. You're well provided for without even having to lift a finger. That's
5: right, Harry. I'm not one of the hired help.
4: Nancy, I resent that. But she does have a point there.
5: Sure, so go ahead and resent. But, oh, now look, it's, it's cocktail time, so... Let's have Haskell bring in the drinks and talk about other things or just get quietly loaded. Haskell, this is Haskell.
2: There's no reason why
4: one of us can't bring us. Don't bother, Harry.
5: Yes, you called to me, miss. Bring in the portable bar and plenty of ice cubes. Yes, Mom. I'll be after getting it for you right away. Where's my aunt? About to get under the hairdryer last time I was up the stairs. Tell her to come down and join us.
4: Yes, Mom, let her work.
5: And while we're waiting, let's try to be civil to each other.
2: To say I didn't particularly like these three would be an understatement, And I could picture any one of them having set that fire. For the next few minutes, they simply sat and glared at each other until we heard Mrs. Haskell come running clumsily down the stairs.
4: Miss Nancy!
5: Mr. Shelter! Mr. Michael! Haskell! I thought you were going to bring...
4: Haskell! What's the matter?
1: It's, it's Mrs. Tilford up there in her room. Well... Shes She's dead.
2: Mrs. Tilford, there in her bedroom, had died alone. Apparently, she'd been sitting under a hair dryer, then simply fallen to the floor, the big professional-looking machine falling beside her. Fortunately, the heating coils had apparently broken before they could set fire to anything. A big hunk of suspicion started building up at the back of my head. <laughs> But then Dr. Taylor came and pronounced it death from a heart attack.
1: Stop <laughs> that. I must
2: confess I certainly didn't ex- Well, she took such good care of herself. I was certain she'd live on for several years. Well. I'll go downstairs and make up my report and arrange to have the body taken care of. Well, we won't have to argue about the handling of her affairs anymore. Unless, of course, the court lets me act as executor of her estate. In which case I warn Harry, you. Harry, how can
4: you be so callous about it?
3: Oh, the
2: Oh,
4: shut up,
5: Hasbro. But Michael's right, Harry.
4: Oh, sure. I suppose you two are heartbroken about her dying like this. Alone. She died all alone up oh, here. Oh, quit. While we were downstairs trying to pick her apart like a bunch of vultures. In spite of the way she treated all of us. What do you mean by that, Mike? We got so much better than we deserve. That's what I mean. All three of us. Harry. Never bothering to see her. To come here and be nice to her. Just parked in his office in town, juggling figures to get as much out of here as he could. Michael, I resent I don't care if you do. Heaven only knows how much you've cheated her since father died. Only your foster father, remember? And Nancy, sitting around here, sponging off her, sweet-talking her, waiting for her to die.
5: Look who's talking. But all the things she's done for you, Michael, you haven't even had the decency to come and visit her now and then.
4: Yes, I know. When
5: was the last time you were here? A month ago, six weeks ago, the last time that Harry was here. Is
4: that true, Michael? Yes, Mr. Dollar, I'm afraid of But
5: it you is. didn't hesitate to accept the money she kept sending At you. least
4: I... I tried to make my own way. Oh,
5: sure. Big, ambitious little Michael. Well, but what have you
4: done for us? At
5: least I've stayed here these past few weeks and gone through the motions of being nice to her. Kept her company, helped her with her clothes, fixed her hair for her, and, well...
2: Is that true, Mrs.
4: Haskell? Yes, sir. Fixed her hair for her. Big deal. Well, and Miss Manton, Miss Nancy, even bought her that big hair-drying machine. Oh. And the poor dear loved it, so she was washing her hair three and four times a week. Now, what's that got to do with what wait we're discussing? Wait a minute. Discussing? That's right. If it hadn't been for this crazy <coughs> hey, machine, <coughs> she would have been downstairs where we might have... helped. Oh, her. Wait.
5: Well, don't take it out on the hair-dryer, I said boat. wait
4: a minute.
2: My brain was fairly spinning. A news item in the New York papers less than a month ago. A freak accident, one in a million at a beauty parlor. A professional hair dryer machine, exactly like the one lying here on the floor. There'd been pictures of it, sketches, to show exactly what had happened. A tiny wire had come loose. It shocked the customer so badly that she'd lost consciousness. There'd been a big noise over it. And now here was Mrs. Tilford, a little frail old lady with a heart condition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is it, Mr. Dollar?
1: Yes,
5: Johnny, what's that funny look supposed to mean? Funny.
2: Mrs. Haskell, did you ever help Mrs. Tilford with this machine? Oh, jeez, I'd never even touched that contraption of the devil, sir. Dollar, this old biddy wouldn't even let Mrs. Tilford install an electric stove. But I failed to... Listen, say... when was this thing purchased? Well, about three weeks ago. I still have the bill for it in my office. Another of Nancy's little tricks gave it to Mrs. Tilford as a gift, but charged it to her account. But I failed to Three which... weeks ago... So when I find the wire on it, it was cut instead of simply broken off when it fell. Mr. Dollar. Yeah. And I'm glad you didn't kick this thing anymore, Mike. You see it here? When she clamped this thing on her head, this wire touched her wet scalp. Oh, now, just... Good heaven. Then when she turned on the switch, well, that was it. Harry, you haven't been here for weeks. Well, I know, but I... Nor have you, Michael. And Mrs. Haskell was afraid to touch the thing. Well... Nancy. Yeah. Nancy. You were here, Nancy. And a few weeks ago when you read in the papers how one of these machines might No. no! Oh, put it down, Nancy.
5: No. I'll kill you. I'll kill all of you. Sure I did it, but nobody'll ever know because none of you will be alive. That's where you're wrong,
1: Nancy.
2: Michael. All right, Nancy. No,
1: let's go of me. Let... Sorry. <laughs>
2: Learned a little lesson in clean living from this, Harry? Yes. Yes, Dollar. I'll call the police. So Nancy's wild shot busted one of his ribs, but Michael recovered. Nancy, I don't know what the penalty for murder is in Ohio, but believe me, she'll find out the hard way. As for the estate, well, that's up to the courts, too. No doubt much of what might have been Nancy's share will go to the company for that payment on the fire. Expense account total including the trip back to Hartford, one sixty-two seventy. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Our star to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a night in Paris that brings me fun, romance and a quick brush for that old, old character known as Death. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood, and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Ellen Cleave, Shirley Mitchell, Ben Wright, Sam Edwards, Harry Bartell, and Lawrence Dobkins. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) This is Jim Matthews speaking.
0: (laughs) This is Adam Graham for The Only Living Boy, Volume 2. The Jungle Book meets the island of Dr. Moreau in the second volume, The Only Living Boy, Beyond Sea and Sky, on sale now from award-winning authors David Gallagher and Steve Ellis. Recently nominated as one of the Best Comics for Younger Readers for the 2016 Harvey Awards, The Only Living Boy is an action-adventure series for the young and young at heart. Captain America and Flash author Mark Wade says, Paul Pope and Jack Kirby never had a chance to work together, but if they had, it would be only slightly less awesome than this. The Only Living Boy is ready to join the ranks of books like Bone and Amulet as one of the very best, says Blaster. The Only Living Boy, Beyond Sea and Sky, is on sale now, wherever great graphic novels are sold. Learn more at papercuts.com. That's papercuts with a Z dot com. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. Johnny, uh, that is a good memory for newspaper articles. And in this case, also revealed the source for the story, which was the aforementioned newspaper article. And once again, we do have a story uh, set in my wife's hometown of Columbus. And this one, uh, pretty much directly in the city, as opposed to where Johnny went to the uh, airport in the last one and then traveled out to where uh, there was some uh, flooding going on. Well, I wanted to go ahead and share something I found when I was doing some research online. Um, There is a show going on in... if you happen to be in Australia um, this fall and uh, into 2017, uh, called The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio Live. Uh, Well, I should say I am not tied into the production, but it does sound uh, quite lovely. It's going to be a touring production visiting nine different uh, cities, starting with Sydney uh, in September and moving on to uh, Adelaide. And then in 2017, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Darwin, Hobart, and Canberra. Uh, all of those in Australia. And uh, each uh, production will include the recreation of two episodes of Candy Matson. And uh an episode of yours truly Johnny Dollar. Well, the production has no tie to the show. I'm delighted by the idea and that this would be popular enough um, and have enough success in the initial uh play in uh, Adelaide that we'd get this uh revised uh show. Uh, traveling, uh, throughout Australia. Um, I've always wanted to, uh, go to Australia. I won't be able to make it for, uh, this particular, uh, performance, but those of you who live near the cities, um, you can check Preachers Podcast, uh, um, and, uh, dot net. And Preachers is spelled P R E C H R S. Uh, Um, podcast.net and uh, that's the great detectives of old time radio live and uh, who knows we may pick up some listeners uh, after as a result of the show and if you do end up going to the show or were at the uh, show that uh, was uh, done last year love to hear from you all right, well, that will uh, be all for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Dragnet. Next Friday, another episode of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.